Welcome to This Week in Sports with Eric and Cousin Dave. As always, I'm Eric Weirdo with uh, George, with David Kramer and uh, kind of adjusting to a new host, but sorry about that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting week um, in the sports world. Um, some highs and lows, but kind of kick off with the lows. Um, IndyCar legend uh, Al Unzer um, Allen's or senior died um, at the age of 80, 82, um, four-time Indy winner, um, one of the best Indy racers of all time, legendary family like the Andretti's. Um, so it's a big loss for racing in general. Um, Indy, man, I'm much more NASCAR than Indy, but obviously I watched Indy 500 um, pretty much every year. And it's a... It's tough loss uh, for the sports world there, um, especially the motorsports world. Dave? Yeah, I agree 100%. I'm um, also more of a NASCAR guy over the Indy, Indy racing or the open wheel racing, they call it. Um, but yeah, Al Unser, he was, he was a, he was a, uh, just one of the, one of the good old guys back in the, back in the day with these, they helped put the sport on the map. Him and him with going against the Andretti's, the Foyt's, that whole, the whole generation before us kind of what our parents grew up with so to speak and uh yes he will be missed he did he did leave a uh did leave last impression in the store absolutely um pretty kind of cool i mean see what uh see what the indy 500 does um to honor him um when that comes around memorial day weekend um but i think one of the most but the shocking one um was waking up uh, was waking up uh, and seeing that Demarius Thomas died. That was, <laughs> that shocked everyone. Um, apparently was suffering from seizures due to a car accident and had one that he died in his sleep. And Demarius Thomas was a really, really good wide receiver. Um, I mean, quite a few Pro Bowls, um, d- has a ring with the Broncos. Um, great guy on and off the field. And really cool how the Denver Broncos honored him, lined up 10 men on the field to start the game and took the delay and classy move by the Lions to decline that penalty um, and, and honor it. So that's a <laughs> – it's kind of shocking um, when, when that came across. Yeah, he was he was beloved by all too. All the guys that didn't even play with him spoke up about how much it how much it hurt and just kind of shows how the NFL just most of these other sports are. Same with the the IndyCar racing or if something happened in, in any other major sports, it's, they're all one big brotherhood, one family. And uh the Maris Thomas was good. I mean, you're as a wide receiver, you're really only as good as your quarterback, unless you're unless you're uh Larry Fitzgerald, who's been there forever and can do some good things. But uh when he was with Peyton and those guys, he was unbelievable. I mean, he was, he was one of the guys, top guy you wanted to get in fantasy every year. I mean, you knew that, uh, that he was going to, he was good for hundred receptions, 1500 yards, double yeah. touchdowns. I mean, this guy was a phenomenal route runner. Yeah. Really, really, really good player. And I don't think he got much credit as he deserved. I mean, he's only 33 years old. Yeah. He, he Fisher retired what, I think last year. year, but he didn't play for the yeah, yeah. But, but I don't think he played a year before that after. Yeah. But no, incredibly sad. Very sad. And um 
I mean, really, I didn't know much about Demarius Thomas as a player, and I kind of remember this. Um, I just without knowing, um, just the way he was playing. I was watching the Pittsburgh. Uh, I was in the Pittsburgh Denver Wild Card game, um, and I think I said he did something. I was like, oh, "Look at this uh, Demarius Thomas kid, or whatever." Is this Calvin Johnson wannabe? And I looked mm-hmm. him up, and sure enough, he played at Georgia Tech, um, like Calvin Johnson. And then, and yeah, I mean, and it let, and he caught that. He, I remember the play. He in overtime, he ran a little slant. Ike Taylor bit too much, and the second he caught it, he was gone. Yeah, he caught the famous Tebow pass. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Tebow's career life for a few years. <laughs> it did, but um, but yeah, Demarius Thomas was a great guy, great player. Um, really sad. Um, really sad to do all that. I mean, you can do any debate you want with Hall of Famers, but I'm gonna save that for a later time, out of respect for his career and his life and his family. Um, for all that, but I will say he was really good with Peyton. If he had a really good quarterback his entire career <laughs> um and you mentioned I mean, it's rare you're only as good as your quarterback unless you're larry fitzgerald calvin johnson <laughs> i mean yeah. randy moss i mean there's certain times where your talent just doesn't matter who your quarterback is so um but yeah that's uh that's kind of what we wanted to lead off with um tribute to the great Allens or the great Demarius Thomas, um, two really good guys, and they'll be missed. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll cut into with a lead um, that kind of came in very last minute. There is a new all-time three-point record holder, Steph Curry, beat past Ray Allen for all time. Did it against the Knicks at the Garden, and. It's kind of ironic. Um, when he was drafted in 2009, he wanted to be a Nick. And Golden State picked him just the pick before. Um, I know you and I were talking about that. And I mean, there's a different, as bad as that is, there's a difference between a team sniping a player in the draft before you than passing on the same player twice. Looking at Minnesota there. Kahn, mm-hmm. Kahn was a GM, yeah, terrible. Yeah, I think I think that was the year they drafted Ricky Rubio, and uh, is it Johnny Flynn from Syracuse. Johnny Flynn, yep, mm-hmm. yes, sir. Yeah, they picked the wrong they picked the wrong point guard. <laughs> um, with that one, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, uh, we you talk about greats, um, greatest of all time. The lead, the way the NBA, Steph, Steph Curry, when he started in the league, used that three point as a weapon. In the past 12 years, we've seen the game go from a more inside game to a perimeter game. And when you talk about great, greatest players of all time, greatest position player of all time, impact of the sport, impact of their era. Now it's, I mean, it's obvious Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. 
but when it's all said and done, do you put him as the greatest point guard of all time? Yeah, that's kind of where I want to go with kind of with Steph. I mean, 2,973 threes and counting. I mean, he was, he looks, I watched a little beginning of this game before the podcast started and he was, he was, he was already on fire. So I don't know how many he's going to get tonight, but 3,000, definitely 4,000 more than likely. I mean, he, he, if he can play to 42, 40, 42, and where the NBA's played with, with his shot, I mean, it is, I guess it is doable if you can hold up. But all time, I think he, all said and done, uh, all time greatest point guard. I mean, I got him. I mean, Isaiah is hard to beat. Chris Paul is hard to beat. I think he's better than, than, than Stockton. Even though Stockton got those assist numbers. Um, magic. I think Magic. Yeah, Magic is one there. But see, I, when I think of Steph, I mean, there's greatest of all time, then there's this generational stuff. Like, uh, you're right, what you just said earlier, nail it right in the head, how he uh, he kind of ushered in a different generation of players. He almost made a whole position of the court undraftable, centers. Like, no, no one needed them. There's no, there, he made it so there was no point for uh, a seven-foot-four big man just to, to post up, dribble three times, and do a hook shot. That was no longer needed in this NBA. Now it's, it's came back. Players like DeAndre Ethan and and some of these other guys who can who are versatile and can they can shoot a mid range jumper and, and, and space the floor, but he created all this stuff. I think Steph, when he when he's all said and done, he's going to be a, a top ten all time player. Now, how and then that's your personal opinion of how you want to stack him in there against Magic, I suppose, and and whatnot. But uh, to me, he's he's a he's a top fifteen for sure. Now he retired. You give him another year or two, I think he'll be a you can put him in as a top 10 all-time player. He's got the rings, which matter. They don't matter as much, but if he, I think he's one of the few players in the, in the history of the NBA. If he had zero rings, I don't think that would hurt him because of how I, how he changed the game and just how was one of the few players that are just lovable. You can't really hate Steph. He didn't do anything to make you hate him. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't whine. He doesn't, he doesn't complain about things anymore than anybody else does. I mean, he plays the game. He has that like that little kid energy you have, like when you're in sixth grade playing in the in the uh, in the driveway, shooting over cars or shooting across in the neighbor's yard or behind the back playing right. horse. He's just a, he's just a fun guy, and he can handle the ball. That's that's an underrated aspect of his game is his ball handling and his and his, uh, and his pick and roll defense, which is huge in the NBA uh, in this era. He's, he's more than just a shooter. The Absolutely. common guy, he just shoots three pointers from the from the half court line or the or the NBA logo, three quarter court. But he is he's got an all around game that I think goes undetected. And to that case, I guess you could say he maybe is even a little bit underrated as a player. Yeah, I mean that's kind of it. I mean you've lived in the Charlotte area long enough, um, like I did, um, and you were there when he led Davidson on that run to the Elite Eight, um, and. I mean, we all knew about him in the area. Um, obviously, Del Curry. I mean, Charlotte basketball legend right there. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, he went to Davidson. I mean, it's 30 minutes north of Charlotte, um, 30, 40 minutes north of Charlotte. And he went to Davidson because right in their backyard of UNCC, Winthrop was pretty good at the time. Duke, UNC, NC State, they all – who is undersized and oops 
I mean, that's, yeah, the, craziest, right. that's yeah. the crazy thing about college basketball. I mean, when you watch, when you watch it as long as you do, and all of a sudden you're like, I mean, you talked about it going into March Madness, guard play. And Steph Curry was in, the, in college was one of the top guards in the country. And from a school that 98% of America doesn't know about, I would say, maybe more than that, 99.4% um, doesn't know that small school on Lake Norman exists um, until now, until that year. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what March Madness is. I mean, you get these insane, you get these kids that in schools that just come out of nowhere. I mean, you had Florida Gulf Coast in 13, you had last year Oral Roberts, you've had Loyola Chicago do some runs recently. I mean, you just never know uh, with college. I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird sport. It's hard to recruit um, because there's so many Division One teams. Um, so, but yeah, Steph Curry is great, great player. Um, great that he broke the record in nearly half the games, which is beyond impressive. Um, yeah, unbelievable. Um, I just... I mean, this is video game numbers that you're seeing. Um, I will still, I will say this though. I mean, he does shoot a lot of threes. I'd still give the clutchness isn't quite there though. I don't think compared to Ray Allen or a shooter like Reggie. Um, I'd say those two guys are a little more clutch than him. But overall greatness and shooting, it's definitely Steph. Um, oh yeah, no, yeah, I think 100 percent with the the clutching. Very few have that. And he's always going to have that that uh, that black cloud hanging over his head with the uh, the three one collapse in the in the uh, in the NBA Finals to to LeBron and the Lakers when things got tough and physical. That's just not him. He's just not that big the Cavs. guy to go against those guys. Yeah, the Cavs. Yeah, and, wasn't, uh, wasn't a Laker yet. Yeah, and uh, he just that that's the one black cloud that's going to hang over him. Yep, I believe, but that's just small. Small pebble yeah, small, in the, uh, in the exactly. overall career. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's kind of the big story that kind of we wanted to lead off with um, just before this. Um, but yeah, we'll kind of go to a sport that not many Americans really follow, but it's big all over the world. Um, as uh, Jean Girard said in Talladega Nights, Formula Un. Um, Tied going into the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, Max Verstappen, the Netherlands um, versus uh, Lewis Hamilton. Arguably, I wouldn't say arguably, he did pass Michael Schumacher for the greatest of all time for that. Um, but he was going for his eighth title, um, and there was a lot of controversy for this. Um, I kind of watched a little bit of it in the morning. Um, and those that don't know F one, it's hard to pass in F one. And Lewis Hamilton had a crazy lead. So my dad and I kind of just stopped watching. And then all of a sudden, I got the alert that Max Verstappen won. Um, but there, but the controversy was, I mean, there were two. One was very early um, in it where Verstappen got into Hamilton a little bit and he took a corner a little too long. But he slowed down to make up time so they didn't investigate it, which very unique situation there um so that was the first one 
But the second one, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to explain this. So there was a, the controversy was a message from the race director, Michael Massey, saying lap cars between Hamilton and Verstappen would not be allowed to unlap themselves. But then he changed his mind, leaving Verstappen right behind Hamilton with fresh tires with just one to go. So that means this isn't NASCAR where you have under three laps, the caution comes out, green-white checker overtime. No, this is it. This is the race is going to end on this lap. And with Verstappen allowed to start right side by side, right behind Hamilton, however you wanted to line up, the fresh tires, like NASCAR, uh, you get a late restart and you're on fresh tires and you're starting within that top, uh, especially it depends on the racetrack too, but say a racetrack like Daytona, Talladega, a late caution, a late re- late pit stop, fresh tires, you get in that right line, you're going to pass those guys. Yeah, Hamilton was a sitting duck once they once they ruled that yeah to move the lap cars out and let let Verstappen just get right behind him. He was a sitting duck. There's no yeah. way he was going to win. No, no, it was, I mean it's just the fresh tires just happen and it took five turns and there and it was it. Um, Verstappen got his first uh, title and I, I like Max Verstappen. Um, I like him a lot. He's a great driver um, and they did very aggressive uh, driver. Very, yep. Um, I like it. I like that a lot. Um, and uh, I mean, Mercedes tried to, Mercedes protested, but they got declined. So Hamilton will have to wait another, at least another year to pass uh, Schumacher for all time uh, championships. So, yeah, kind of the best analogy I got after reading. I didn't watch any of the race. I just saw all over all over Twitter on Sunday morning. It was just going crazy. I would, you text I would me say, a few things. I was saying I was looking and, at Twitter. I was like, that's what I mean. I like, it's not big, really all that big in the US. Majority of the tweets were in like German, yeah. Spanish. I'm like French. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> I mean, it was it was going nuts. And the best way after reading all this stuff, after you talked about it and you said we want to talk about this today, is it's almost like in American football, Verstappen had to go 80 yards in 30 seconds, but he got a 60-yard defensive pass interference that was questionable. So he got the ball up. So he only had to go 20 yards now because he got the, he got the pit and everything. He made it to his advantage. And I, I don't understand it. A lot of it still doesn't make any sense that this kind of happened to Hamilton. But uh, it's not like Matt was a bad driver all year long. I mean, he was dominant too. Yeah, I mean, and, it, they they were. I mean – he and he led for most of the year and then had some bad finishes and Hamilton won and all of a sudden it's tied going into the last race. I mean I mean it's kind of what you want as a sport though. Um like I think this drew a lot of American interest, like them seeing it, like mm-hmm. oh, this is a championship think- this is a championship race. This is gonna yes. be so I mean this is like how NASCAR does it. This Doesn't is NASCAR matter. on steroids. Yeah, the money, the money, the money differences. Yeah, people I mean, think I, I didn't realize Formula One was. I mean, it's passion. It's like it's almost like like the comparison to European soccer versus American football. Mm-hmm. How how the American how big American football is over here. European soccer people say is like three times, five times bigger over there. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and if you crazy, yeah, and if you want to really get an in-depth look on F1, the industry, the races, the drivers, there's a great show on Netflix. It's called Formula One: Drive to Survive. I haven't watched it in a little bit. I do need to catch up on it, but it is fantastic. I mean, it really goes in depth onto how it's operated. And there's, as you said, there's so much money um, in this where you're looking at, I mean, I think my dad read an article, Lewis Hamilton sold a New York apartment in like the West Village for 49 million and he bought it for 44. Hmm. (laughs) So he made 5 million off it, but you know, is is a Formula One driver that yeah bought a forty four million dollar place in the West Village of New York. So you can you can attest this to more than more than I can. So I'm kind of almost asking the question instead of stating the fact here. Lewis Hamilton in the past five years, I mean, he was he was dominant, dominant, right? I mean, that wasn't even close for a while. This was is like that, is that correct? Yeah, this is like this is like Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, um, when he won. It's like they were saying, oh, no one's going to break Kelly Yarborough's three, three Pete. And Jimmy Johnson did. <laughs> um, yeah. like, it was unreal. Like, that's the stretch we're talking about. I mean, this was dominant. I mean, there was, he was good. I mean, Lewis Hamilton is still, like I said, I mean, I think he is the greatest driver of all time. I mean, you were talking about this, seems to be a theme, but Michael Schumacher was great. But, I mean, just the way he drove, the way he, the way he won. Um, it's a shame what happened to him with that ski accident because uh, he still hasn't really mm-hmm. fully been back. But um, yeah, he's just Lewis Hamilton's. Just <laughs> it's crazy how good he is and how all these drivers are. I mean, these are they're basically driving computers right now and their pit stops are when NASCAR, you're looking at pit stop in NASCAR takes change of tires is like five, six seconds. Mm-hmm. A pit stop in F1 takes two seconds. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's nuts insane. to watch. Um, but yeah, check out drive to survive the F1 show on Netflix really good really really well done um you get really good insight um if you want to know if you want to know the racing i mean like i said with indy um i watched the 500 same same thing with f1 i mean i love watching monaco um that's like that's like the super bowl of f1 um it's celebrities it's it's monaco it's shit ton of money (laughs) um but yeah, definitely watch that. And uh, yeah. Um, so those are kind of some of the big stuff that happened this weekend. Um, record-breaking moments taken away, record-breaking moments happening just before this. Um, but there's also some other records that aren't so good in the NFL and a massive train wreck in Jacksonville going on. Dave, if you want to kind of lead with that one. Well, it's Urban Meyer. I'm not even going to say anything else over there. I mean, put, the, put this in perspective a little bit. This man has created such a stir 
in the 12 weeks that he's been there, I guess 13, 13 weeks, whether two and two and 11, uh, that no one, I haven't heard one media pundit or anything I've read preparing for this podcast. No one has talked about how poorly the number one pick has played all year long. And isn't that the only goal this year to get through this year with this man confidence intact somehow, some way and move on. But urban, uh, Back to Urban Meyer a little bit. He was uh, he something some stuff leaked out in the locker from the locker room that he was writing his assistant coaches went through each one of them meetings and made them say out loud why why they're a terrible coach or why they're why they're worth what's their worth so to speak. I mean, some of these guys. I mean, Daryl Bevel, for example, he's a Super Bowl winning coordinator. So uh, not all bad coordinators, I wouldn't imagine. Then he. Uh, Goes on to talk about uh, press conferences when he's saying that he's he's just totally mismanaging how players have been played. He doesn't know, doesn't even know who's playing snaps on his team or who's not playing snaps on his team. When when asked questions by reporters, just kind of making things up. If you ever got if you get some time, go on YouTube or Twitter and search that Urban Meyer uh, handshake after the game yesterday. The man looked lost, like a soul would just take it out of his body. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, he, he does. I mean, well, you and I talked about this. I mean, there's two. I mean, you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this is a this is a kid that up until this year never. I mean, through high school, college, never lost in the regular seasons. I mean. He's a winner. Like this is what he does. He wins in high, wins at every level. Urban, same deal. Uh, NFL is a different animal. I and mean, this isn't Urban can't go to a house and go to these five star kids and go and just steamroll. I mean, this is a team that these are men um, that are getting paid. In college, you can say they're getting paid on NIL, but still. These are men getting paid to play football for a living and they don't take the shit that they took in college anymore. Like they're just like, they're like us. They're like us and like, they're yeah, like adults. They're, they're, working. they're working now. They're like, wait a second, all that crap in college. It doesn't help anymore. Like, you don't want a shit leader. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. You may not win games. Look at Detroit, for example. I, I I talked to you privately on text about Dan Campbell and my, my feelings on him. But he's I, I can't say he's not a leader. He doesn't he may not have the best best X's and O's sometimes. It has to do with the talent. At least the man, the players give a shit. Right. And at least the players try. Like I was reading a thing today, and I don't want to butcher his last name, but uh, he works for the NFL network. His name's Tom Pelisario. Yes. If you go on he was on Rich Eisen today and you can find this thing on YouTube or Twitter. If you want to look at it, his nine minute segment on, 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 uh, on that uh, radio show, Rich Eisen show. And he was talking about, he's, he was the big guy that broke this stuff with the, with the assistant coaches. And he was, he's got more stuff, more information about how after the game players are going to the opposite teams and shake when they're shaking hands and they're, I mean, it's all brotherhood that like we talked about earlier with some of this, uh, like with the NFL and, and all these sports, they're telling them they want to get the hell off this team. It's, it's, it's a, it's miserable. They're embarrassed. They don't have a leader. 
now the owner is saying now the, the owner is saying they're gonna he's gonna wait and see and he doesn't want to have a quick quick trigger fire and I get that that's that's fine I guess I mean if you're if you're the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars Urban's proven that he can coach I mean he's a winner right I mean he however you think he is in his personal life the man has put up results wherever he's been so I guess you didn't forget to coach but you, you can't control 53 men in the locker room and have the respect and there's no point of you being there why wait two years three years in this thing I, I personally think this will be a and the season firing if not sooner and just move on he's not the guy to to lead a rebuild apparently no and Get someone uh, in there and I'll I'll compare this I mean it's kind of mirroring what happened to Detroit in the with Matt Patricia um now lines are it's kind of hard I mean lines weren't bad when Patricia got there I mean they're coming off four straight like three out of four years nine win seasons two of the four years were in the playoffs so it wasn't a bad team and Patricia came in and like you said a minute he's not there's a difference between a coach and a leader like a manager and a leader there's differences like you can have a good manager but they're awful leader you can have a bad manager but they're good leaders I mean it's just kind of a different way of looking at it but yeah Urban Meyer I mean I read a comment today I think it was just a person that just said it I mean this is different like I said I mean you can't just recruit these kids you can't recruit players anymore you can't just bring in the top guys and and just roll over opponents but one thing that the, this person said that kind of stood out was when Urban's Florida and Ohio State teams lost, there was no adjustments. And whether that's on Urban's pride that he's sticking to his game plan or what, it's kind of telling. Once he, when he loses or when he's losing, he doesn't know what to do. And it's kind of a valid point. I mean, looking at it, I mean, uh, 2016, um, college football semifinals, 35 nothing. I mean, they just, Grant Clemson was really good. I mean, that was a great team all around, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you lose 35 nothing on the national stage. I mean, the players, uh, and don't, you don't change anything to try to adapt. I mean, obviously it's hard to do, but to still get shut out, I mean, that that says something about coaching. Um, but there's a line um, late in the movie Miracle, the last, the climax scene where they're coming down the last minute or so of the, of the U.S., of the Soviet game. They, they didn't pull their goalie because they'd never been in that situation. I equated to that. When you're so used to dominating, so used to winning, and you get put in a situation of adversity, that's when you show your true, your true character and how to adapt. And if you can't do that, I don't know. 
Yeah, he's 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 shown a lot of negative, and this negative now is is this going to it's going to be a stink on him because you can fail out in the NFL and and move on and coach somewhere if you want to coach still and get a job anywhere you want in college. I mean, or see Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Nick failed out. He didn't. And the like the ultimate fail out, with personal life and professional life. Look at Bobby Petrino. I mean, the man crashed the motorcycle with his mistress on it, right? Is that how that yep. works? Or yep. and did all kinds of in the same school hired him back twice. He's the same guy who Coached, quit on the Falcons. Coast of Falcons, yep. He he quit on him, didn't he? Quit on him halfway through the season, like weeks fifteen or fourteen, and Something just like, like left. Yeah, it was. And you can be a piece of shit in, in life, and as long as you can coach, that's his nose. Mm. But this has got something different. This is a different kind of stink. This is almost like bad enough where and this is not just because I, I don't like the man because he's Ohio State coach and all the stuff with the, no, I didn't like I didn't like him when he was at Florida. <laughs> and kind of this the stinkiness that he had with all that the domestic violence. Now that's a whole different thing. You don't want to get involved with that. But that's he has a lot of stink kind of various various things, a lot of smoke, I guess they could say whether smoke there's fire, but he not a good man and he showed it in the NFL and you can't you can't trick 24, 25, 26 year old men who if you throw, if you throw a bad name on them, it costs them dollars and cents. Now we're messing with men, men, men's living mm-hmm. situations, and there's no time for that. Get the guy out of there. Get someone else in. Trevor's terrible this year, but so is X. There's a lot of guys that are terrible this year, but just get this man, get Trevor, get Trevor fixed. Get some talent in there. It's going to be a rebuild anyways. Right. It's not going to be better next year. I mean. You get you get another quarterback or not another quarterback, another head coach in there. What they win three games, he's he's won two. But as long as the culture's better, I mean the yeah. Lions. Look at the Lions. One game, people seem happy. But I mean, as far as I know, be- you don't see any reports saying people hate Dan Campbell yet. No, I mean everybody seems like they're going to go to bat for this guy. Yeah, I mean, and that's all you want as a team, as an organization, or from, as a fan. Yeah, aside from the Denver game this weekend, aside from the Cincinnati game, and most of that first game against San Francisco, they've been in every game with, I'd say, worse talent than Jacksonville um, that managed to accidentally win two games this year. So. Now, get the, some positive NFL stuff real quick before we get off yes. this topic. I want to ask you this. I didn't ask you this beforehand, but I want to know, who, who are your top four teams in the NFC? Because it's a log game up there. In and- the NFC? Yeah, then I'll give you mine. I want to see what your top four teams were. I'd still go in no particular order because you can switch them really for this. Mm-hmm. Arizona's still a top four team. Um, Green Bay is a, is a top four team. Dallas is a top four team. Okay. And the Rams are showing life to be another team to that can threaten uh, to be in the NFC, but I'm going to take Tampa still. Okay, yeah, you're exactly where I where, where I where I'm at. I, I unfortunately, I do think Green Bay right now is the best team in the in, in the NFC just because of the the way their defense is playing. Then you have the quarterback. Yep. But you can say the same thing about Tampa. But their defense is playing. They got the quarterback too. So Arizona, I see. I want to see Arizona. I want to see those two guys, Cliff and, and Kyler. I want to see them go on the road in the playoffs. Win a play. I know it's, it's they're still both young coach, head coach combo, so it could take a year or two. But 
I can see them on the road. And that offense is a kind of a mess right now in uh, in Dallas. They got some some injury at the quarterback, not quarterback, the running back, and the line has some problems. But that, that defense is legit with Pud Parsons. Parsons, and, and I, I mean, think they could, there's a reason I want. I mean, look, I will. It's too early to do redrafts. I mean, I'm. Yeah. I'll admit this. I was wrong. Um, I laughed when Cincinnati drafted Jamar Chase. Um, he's phenomenal. He's unbelievable. Um, Panay Sewell, overall, I think has been rated with pro with the the PFF rankings consistently within the last like six or seven weeks. Top three offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's fine. Slater from it's the uh, Chargers. Slater. I mean, this is an insane rookie class. <laughs> it can be, um, yeah. like, it can be legendary. Take out of the take out the quarterbacks right now. Just with Sewell, Chase, Slater, Parsons. This mm-hmm. is a legit class. I mean, this is a it was a crazy good class. Um now if you'd ask if you told me who the best quarterback would be out of the class their rookie year, would not have been Mac Jones. I'll say it. I can't wait for the uh Kyle Shanahan finally leaves San Francisco, whether he's fired or he moves on or, get fired or, for what or whatever he, the reason is. Fireable offense, I think, that he committed to the way this is looking. And, uh, yeah, right now, yeah. It's so year one. I mean, you, you, it could be year three here, and Trevor Lawrence is leading Jacksonville to the AFC title game or something. I mean, you never know this stuff, how this stuff works. But uh, I would really like to know – he says he lied to us on purpose about wanting Mac because he wanted really wanted Trey Lance, but there was, there was too much talk. Something had to happen at the last moment, or maybe he got overridden. Maybe I, I don't know, but uh, I, I like to know that full story about why. So you think why why they didn't take Mac? You think Mac Jones I think was going to go to San Francisco? I think there's a lot of truth to that. Mac Jones going to San Francisco. They wanted Mac Jones. Um, but why they did not take him, I don't know. I mean, some guys get over, over, overruled by their GM and their owner. I mean, the owner, it's final say, you know. So, I mean, that happens in Dallas all the time. But uh, I think there's something there. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But I also wanted to give. I, I also think you're right with the Rams. They are their arrow is trending up now. They just got like 29 COVID guys. It seemed like today. Yeah. Um, on the COVID list, but. Uh, that was a big win, and that was a big win for Matt Stafford. He's never beat a team in his whole career that's been over two games or 500. I didn't know that. I don't know if that's a true fact. I saw it. I saw it online. So if that is true, he finally got his one. And go over the hump, Matt, and go win some playoff games. Yeah. I'll be your biggest fan over there. And, no, I mean, uh, like I said, I mean, from the start of this whole thing with the Matthew Stafford trade is, look, I think the best case, like I said, for the Lions is – they end up with a snake fantasy draft. Draft number one, draft 32nd, draft 33rd. Because, but that also could help a trade as well if you want to get back into round one and get a third, second, a higher second first pick or, or or what. But there's some, I I still don't know, um, but obviously that's going to be down the road. Um. But yeah, yeah, just I'm, looking at your, your, your I, I, I want, right where you're headed. I be a lot of quarterbacks in the late first, second round draft yeah, pick area. Yep. Um, and then 
Uh, I mean, I've, you know me, you know this. I've defended Stafford his entire career in Detroit. Because he's got the talent. And he finally has a complete team. Something was always missing in Detroit. Um, the year that the best chance to win or go far in the playoffs was that 14th season. And again, it was so one about the controversial Dallas game. Yes, he did fumble. But the one thing missing to that team was an offensive line. He had a good running game, great defense, uh, good receivers, but no offensive line. So now he's got it all. Mm-hmm. So this is his ultimate. I mean, you can say it's like the Brady. Is it Brady? Is it Belichick? Was it Stafford? Was it the Lions organization? I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. What about the AFC? What are your top teams in the AFC? New England, New England has surprised me. Um, they collapsed late against Buffalo, which was a fun game to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Buffalo's kind of disappointed me this year, considering I picked them to win the Super Bowl. Um, but and it still could happen. I mean, playoffs, anything can happen. Just, but yeah, just, just get in the tournament. That's all that matters. Yep. And then, uh, but if you, but my top four in the AFC. Right now, it's New England 1, Kansas City 2, 3. <laughs> um, wow. I don't know. I got those two in my top two. I got I, they're not in this, the record standings. I, I think Indianapolis is the team to, team to watch. Are we you got some money on Indianapolis. I do. I, I they did. Can run I did the ball. They can play hella defense. Are we going to talk Jonathan Taylor MVP conversation? I wish he, yeah. I mean, he deserves deserve more love than he's going to get at the end. But yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for and easy, easy Colts Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. We get the Saturday night games back this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Yeah, I mean, I got New England, Kansas City, one, two. Tennessee, I would say probably my third, and then Indy, four. I don't trust I don't trust any AFC North team, by the way. <laughs> that, no, division's, really that, division's, yeah. that division's a mass unit right now with injuries. Cleveland is wildly inconsistent. Every Pittsburgh wins a fraud win. They, their quarterback's old as dirt. You can't. <laughs> He's mustered up some, and Baltimore's got everybody hurt in the team. I right. mean, that's, that's what I mean. I mean, the division, like, I don't know what to – somebody has to win the division, though. So mm-hmm. – and somebody's going to host it, so. It's true. It's very true. Um, but, yeah, I – the Chargers are sneaking up on people, by the way. I mean, they're – they're game back against uh, mm-hmm. Kansas City and have that one win. They play them play tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. So if, that's a big game. If if the Chargers win, I mean, that gives them tiebreaker in the division. So that's an interesting one to watch. Denver's kind of hanging in there, but I still I'm not sold. They don't have a quarterback still. Yeah, I agree. Um, to there, when it comes down to it, you need someone to be able to make a few throws and make a few plays. I love that defense though. Shootout. 
yeah. love Denver's That's, defense. I've said this since last year, once or since not last year, season started. Is they're a they're a, they're a very very good destination for a, for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Somebody they plug them in there and they're instant contenders for yep. Super Bowl. Instant. Yep. They have a good young receiving core, kind of like how what Peyton did. It kinda, yep. It's kind of built the same way, and they're kind of waiting for that moment. Why do they get one of those guys? I, I mean, still, I still don't know why Denver didn't. I still don't know why Denver didn't trade this year for Rodgers. Yeah, um, they drafted with Patrick Sertan. He's been mm-hmm. playing real well for them as a defensive back. Uh, yeah, they're a, they're a, they are a uh, quarterback away from being. Yeah, saying, hey, Kansas I mean, City. I like when you said that. Uh, I like how you said that. Um, the definition, like, oh, what team's a quarterback away? Well, I mean, I thought maybe Indianapolis, but the true team that is a quarterback away, I believe now is Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe a Cleveland as well. I would say, I mean, not, not just respecting yeah. ba- Baker, but. Uh, you can, you can, I defended them for a while. You can disrespect them. Think about it. If you really look at it, their backup is Case Keenum. Is Baker really that better than Case Keenum? Right. No, I want to think so. Yep. So why would you pay? So, I think next year's Baker's fifth year, right? Or is yep. this, this is fifth year? Either way, he's due yeah. for some money soon. You're yep. gonna pay him the the the, the, the contract that's gonna be due. I want it personally. Yeah. But I'm also not in Cleveland. So that's why I'm saying you don't do him, then you pay you pay a case key and a little bit of money, go there, yep. you admit, but it's a tricky, it's a tough situation. Yep. And definitely. Um but yeah, um, I don't know how I almost forgot this, but we did have the Heisman this past week. Yes, we did. Um, kind of went in the order I think a lot of us thought. Um, Bryce Young, I saw. Did you see the total votes, the points? I did. Yes. Uh-huh. Ooh, that was that's a almost it was a, almost as unanimous as you can get. <laughs> yeah, I got it right um, in front of me. Six six hundred eighty-four first place votes. Twenty-three hundred total. They call it points, but right. it's votes, yeah. And then uh, Hud- Aiden Hutchinson finished second with what, 984, I think it was? Yep, 954, yeah, close. Or 954, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's uh, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, we all knew. Uh, when I saw comments, I mean, the, whole, the Michigan boards and everything, Hutchinson got screwed. No, he didn't. I mean, the second that SEC game was over, we all knew it. I mean, yeah, Hutch- and if- Hutchinson could have been in that Iowa backfield 10 times, and he still would not have won the Heisman. I mean, it was... Correct. And the uh, yeah, way, way I look at kind of tiebreaker on that kind of stuff is if Bryce was eligible to be in the draft this year, would he be the you know, number one pick? And I feel he would have been. I 100%, I, to- I 100% yeah. would take Bryce Young in Detroit if we had the number one yeah. pick. Um, but there's no quarterback worth taking number one. Um, so it's either going to be Hutchinson or uh, Thibodeau going number one. Mm-hmm. Um, unless there's somebody that's so hell-bent on taking one of these quarterbacks and is stupid enough to trade us, I'll take that deal. We'll take it. We'll yeah. take it. Now, but, um, I got a little – not really a hot take, but it's – it could – I guess it it's got this. I don't know if any Ohio State fans watch this, listen to this podcast or not, but look at the final numbers – I was a big Will Anderson Jr. kind of guy. I actually talked to you about him a little bit. 
Um, I agree with Aiden being there over him in the long haul. Um, but Will Ennis, what he did should be recognized. Notice he was phenomenal for Alabama. Yep. But I think Will, and you could eat, maybe even this is a, probably a stretch. So I, I don't know if I would say it or not. Will for sure should I think should have been fourth, and I, I could make an argument that Kenneth Walker should have been above CJ Stroud. If you look at the Ohio State roster, there's probably four or five players that are better than CJ. All the receivers are right now. I mean, CJ's good, but all, all the receivers are better than him right now, yeah. I would imagine, right? Yeah. You make a good argument that, that freshman running back is a better overall player than CJ Stroud as well. There's, there's four right there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a, his time will come. Yep. But before, it's, I mean, it's a quarterback award. Yeah. I mean, that's, so that's, that, that what makes, that's, that's why I think what makes what Aiden did to get second so much more impressive. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I texted it yesterday. I mean, the Sports Center page showed, hey, on this day, 20 in 1997, Charles Woodson won the Heisman. There's still people that say Peyton Manning should have won it. I mean, yeah, no, sorry. I mean, well, great, it, but give Charles, yeah. So it's kind of cool that Michigan has the only defensive winner and a defensive runner up for Heisman. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean that's a good that's a good recruiting tool. <laughs> um, it is. Like, hey, we have the we have this history. But anyway, um yeah, that's the that's that. Um with that, uh we got some big news on in golf in the golf world. Um miraculously <laughs> nearly ten months later, Tiger Woods is back on the course. Um, playing with his son Charlie in the PNC tournament. That guy's lucky to be alive. He is. Yeah. I mean, and he yeah, admitted that, in that crash. Yeah. He admitted it in the press conference. But the fact that he's even golfing is remarkable um, in that short time frame. I mean, yes, you can argue. I mean, he's got all the money for the best care best doctors best specialists rehab all that you can argue that fine but if you saw that if you saw the photos of that wreck you'd wonder how he walked away with just what he did instead of being buried i mean yeah it was some some scary stuff (laughs) but it was all, I mean, you can say what you want about Tiger. He's off the field things with everything that happened 10 or so years ago. Um, what he's done as a person, but what he's come back from. I mean, this guy, this guy's won, this guy won the U.S. Open in 2008 on a torn ACL. <laughs> this guy, this is a guy that no one thought would ever win another major and wins and wins Augusta wins the masters in 2019. I mean, he's come through a lot, but this is, I think the one that, I mean, he even announced it. He's like, I can never do a full schedule. And granted towards the, after those injuries, he really wasn't, he was picking and choosing, but this is, I think his tournaments are going to be more limited. He'll do Augusta. I mean, 
he'll he'll probably do that. But outside of that, I don't know what else he'll do. I mean, he's got nothing else to prove. He's he's just gonna enjoy his life. I think. I yeah, I think one hundred percent. I mean, playing with your he talked about last year when he played with his son, how just how awesome it was, and his son shows some of the same mannerisms that he does, and it's it's eerily similar in a lot of ways. But yeah, I mean, playing a two day event with your son off uh, on a golf cart, hold a hole is a lot different than playing a six thousand yard course in the U.S. Open and having to walk it and wearing down and anything like that. I think he'll play Augusta this spring just because he's Augusta doesn't really change. I mean, it may get a little bit longer. They might do some stuff, but the whole placements are the same. It's something like that's why like these past champions are always always in the hunt, like couples and, and everything like that. But it'd be hard pressed to see him play a US Open and and compete like he wants to. And I know I think he knows that. Yeah. But just to see him out there, I mean, he's the he's the greatest thing that ever happened in the game. I mean, he's like Phil Mickelson, I know he's your favorite golfer, and he's he's one of mine as well. And he these guys have everything. He said one time that the reason he's making all this money is because of Tiger. I mean, Tiger made the game popular, got all these yep. sponsors in there, and got all the got the money, got the purse up. Yep. And he revolutionized it. And he's yeah. they, they say there's a roar, and there's a Tiger roar, and it's 100 different. I watched him play a few times at the local local course over here in the Quail Hollow. Cool. Yeah. Um, no, I saw him. I saw him win um, in 2007. Yeah, I was there for the winning one. Yeah. Um, and my sister and I. We were we we knew it we knew what was happening, and we decide and we're like okay, our dad was when he marshaled it, um, he would marshal sixteen, which the way that course mm-hmm. laid out, sixteen tee boxes, only a short yard a short walk to the green, to eighteen. Mm-hmm. Well, we were Kirsten, my sister, and I were in the middle of of the crowd that was probably 50 people deep in the, in a small area because of this is tiger. This is, he's going to win our local tournament. Like, and when he, I mean, he won, I don't think it was close. I can't really remember that. But when you mentioned that there's a roar and there's a tiger roar when he sunk that final putt, that's a roar that I won't forget. I mean, no, no. And <laughs> the, the president's cup is here next year, I yep. believe 2022 and at quail hollow. And if he can get any kind of, any sort of shape, I mean, I don't think he'll play it. I think it's going to be similar to where he'll like the Ryder cup where he's he'll captain it. I don't know if he'll play it. Yeah. Honorary um, captain or he, or do something like that. And just to have him there and it's just to see the, the people, I mean, I would love to do, to go to something like that. I mean, he's still he's still a draw. Yeah, you, you get you get him in a tournament. I mean, it still sells out in, in a record amount of time, and you got to add different more tickets, et cetera. And it's it's fun to watch him on TV. But I think he knows it's those days are over. Yeah, um, and it's kind of kind of sad when an athlete like that with that magnitude realizes mm-hmm. it. Um, someone especially that, in a sport like golf, someone like, it's, it's not a team. Yeah, it, golf's not a team sport. I mean, it's kind of different. It's different when you see that, but when it's an individual like like golf, like when 
like you know like hey this is like so-and-so's last tournament or like you just never know and what mm-hmm. tiger's done i mean we're old enough to watch to remember his entire career <laughs> um like from when he started on um, that first win at augusta to those dominant wins and majors like golf had never seen anybody like him and the fact that he's had his health issues he's had this most recent one that kind of made him realize i can't do this anymore it it sucks but i mean this isn't but at least you realized it and you're not real and it's not like i think kind of we're noticing it with phil as well i would say i mean he's starting to do more of the champions tour stuff um because with the exception of the pga championship in kiowa he really hasn't been (laughs) in contention of the pga no yeah um the past few years and so when you're watching these guys they were seeing the new crop come up and 10 15 years from now will be the same with guys like dustin johnson and Dustin Justin's pretty old, actually. Um, like a guy like Jordan Speed, Justin Thomas, those guys will be saying the same thing down the road. So, oh yeah, I agree with you 100 on that. Um, but it's a but yeah, that's a lot of fun stuff going on. I mean, if you have a chance to watch that PNC tournament, it is kind of cool to check out. Um, kind of a different format, a fun little break. But yeah, the fact that Tigers playing it is is unreal um so um, that's gonna wrap up this episode of this week in sports with eric and cousin dave as always i'm eric weirdo with david kramer and take care